When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Here we go. Jackson for his tight end, brought in by Mark Andrews, who escapes and goes all the way for the touchdown. Intercepted, picked up by Thomas. Earl Thomas with a foot race. Brown won't get him. That will be six. Running a little option. Jackson beats. Jackson breaks the tackle. He's right to the pylon, and it's a touchdown. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Pod Like a Raven. I'm Antonio Barbera, sitting indoors, inside, by myself, still quarantined. However, I have my two guys on the other end to talk Ravens, talk NFL, and they are, first of all, Tim Horsey in D.C. Tim, how's it going? It's going good, man. Uh, I was actually able to get away to the mountains this weekend. You You talk about isolation, there is nobody up there, which is always great to see. Uh, so that was that was a good time. You say sitting inside. I got to sit outside for a little bit, which was new for me. So uh, experiencing daylight, sunburn, the whole nine. Uh, that was great. That's true. Over the weekend, was able to do a little like six feet apart, seeing a few human beings who I hadn't seen in a long time, relatives, friends. And joining us on the West Coast, very curious as to what this gentleman did over the weekend, is... Uh, Jace Evans. Jace, how are you doing over there? Uh, I'm doing well. Um, walk, did go outside, did uh, took a few walks over the past week, but uh, otherwise gaming, a lot of, a lot of Call of Duty, <laughs> that's pretty much all I've been up to. Uh, but f- some exciting sports news, um, well, could be deci- exciting depending on you rate it. The NHL has actually announced their return to play, uh, play plans uh, on the day we record this, so... Cautiously optimistic, things seem like they're progressing uh, towards maybe a return of the NBA and NHL sometime this summer, so feeling optimistic today, for the most part, so feeling good, ready to talk a little, the little Ravens we have to talk about here, uh, the dark days of the offseason, but excited to get on the horn with you all. Hockey, paving the way, paving the ice for a return, (laughs) that's my bad pun for the week. A little more Bundesliga this week, Uh, I know Tim was all over the 
Bayern Dortmund rivalry game, which I may or may not have watched a little bit of or a lot of in the middle of the afternoon today. But cool to see like two teams again, like rivalry game, big teams playing each other in an important sporting event, even though the stadium was empty. Uh, Tim, I'd love to hear your thoughts on the crowd noise. It was very strange. But so we uh, have a little bit of sports that we are seeing, some sports are coming back. Things are slowly uh, getting back on track. We're a day late than normal in terms of our recording time for this and, and getting an episode out, which was partially done to try to get a little bit more Ravens news or NFL news by the time we got recording, but that didn't really happen, and it's one of the slower weeks, I think, that we've ever had, so probably a, a, a tight episode this week, but a few things that we want to go over. Um, and the first thing, I guess, is uh, one of the more rumor type possibilities for the Ravens that the three of us can't really make a lot of sense of, but we're going to bring it to you anyway. I am going to toss to Tim for this because I think he has most of the background is, uh, you know, talking to Schefter and and getting all the information from from him on the down low. And that's potential little scuttlebutt about Jets defensive back Jamal Adams, superstar defensive back Jamal Adams, potentially getting tied to the Ravens. Uh, Tim, why? How? When? Yeah, so, I mean, we'll, we'll debate if this is worth it or not in terms of the Ravens making a move for the all-pro safety who is still only 24 years old. Incredibly tempting. But um, if you don't remember, back before the trade deadline last season, the Jamal Adams trade rumors popped up again. He's clearly upset with uh, or uncomfortable, I guess. You know, not happy with the situation with the Jets. Who would be? It's the Jets. Uh, So there were rumors that the Ravens were going to make a play for him. Ultimately, the Jets' asking price, and this comes from Jeff Zarebeck of The Athletic, uh, the asking price of a first-round pick plus one or two other premium picks was a bit too too rich for the Ravens' blood. They backed out of that. We all know how much they value their draft picks under Ozzy and EDC as well. But now it's being reported again. Shouts out to The Athletic. Connor Hughes, who covers the Jets for them, says that, Adams and the Jets have reportedly reached stalemates in talks about a contract extension and the sixth, the 2017 sixth overall pick, who has been an absolute stud in the defensive backfield for New York, is not happy and wants out. And because of the Ravens' interest, which was reported over the uh, in the trade deadline last season, they have their name has popped up again. Now, for my money, they already have a safety. His name is Chuck Clark, and don't you dare try and steal his position. Uh, also, Earl Thomas, who, when he's not gallivanting with his brother, is is very good in the defensive backfield. I don't know. This is weird to me. I, I'll point out a couple things for you, and then I'll let I'll lay it out to you guys to kind of debate this. I don't think it's worth going after Jamal Adams. I think he is a special player in this league. I think he's one of the best defensive players in the NFL. I think, uh, you know, Chuck Clark Stan on Pod Like a Raven. That's me raising my hand now, but I think he would improve that defense pretty significantly. They love his versatility that he can pretty much do it all from the safety position. But I'm going to go back to a tweet that I saw earlier from, um, I believe it was the Baltimore Beatdown, the SB Nation podcast, and and no discredit to them. They were just proposing a question that certainly got a lot of Ravens fans upset. They tweeted at the Jets blog basically saying, we are hearing a lot of Ravens fans would do this deal. What do you say, Jets fans? Jamal Adams in a first-round pick for Ronnie Stanley in a first-round pick. A lot of Ravens fans immediately got in the comments and the replies and said, that's the most asinine trade 
of all time, the the left tackle for the Baltimore Ravens, who's going to protect the reigning MVP, didn't let up a sack left uh, last year for another defensive back. It just doesn't make any sense whatsoever. But my point in that whole thing is getting him would cost a significant amount. Now, we've got this window for the Ravens. We've got this window, Lamar on a rookie deal. That is the window that they're trying to win a Super Bowl in. Even with all that being said, I don't think it makes sense. Jace, I throw it to you. What say you? Yeah, I it, it doesn't seem like trading him would solve any of the issues Adams has. Like, where are the Ravens? The biggest thing is, great, they have him for a year, and you give up a ton to get him, and then where is this money coming from to give him a contract extension that he does deserve? Because he is an awesome football player. He's amazing. I love Jamal Adams. He's one of, like, the best defensive players in the league, I think, and, you know, potential to win a defensive player of the year, even with how versatile he is in the future. But... I just don't see how it could possibly work. Like, you, I don't know who they would have to, like, they would have to move something. They're so tight to that cap as is. Uh, and as we've gone on and on about, Lamar is going to sign for $120 million at least on his next contract. Probably closer to 130 140 depending on what Patrick Mahomes gets here in the next year or so. Um, so... I just, I just don't see the feasibility of it. I would obviously love Jamal Adams if the Ravens are giving up, like, nothing. But I just don't see the path. And to your point, like, because they're so tight against the cap, they need the first-round picks to work with uh, to get young talent in. That's how NFL teams win. So while I would love Jamal Adams, I just don't see how they could even swing it to make it work in any sense, basically. I'm, I just pulled up the Jamal Adams numbers uh, three seasons with the Jets has played forty has played and started forty six of the forty eight potential games. Two interceptions, uh, two hundred and seventy three tackles in in three seasons, and twelve sacks. Two time Pro Bowl, one time All Pro. He's done a lot in very little time. Obviously, a talented player. I I, mean, I agree with you guys. There's, you know, it's it's very. I, I I don't see a path that this happens. But the only thing I will say to counter it in terms of Tim, the trade that you mentioned, I love Ronnie Stanley. I, I've talked about on this podcast how I thought he was such a boring top ten pick that ended up being one of the best draft decisions the Ravens have made of the last five ten years. But if this is a trade where they could swap future first round picks with the Jets and these players that Jets first round pick is going to be a lot better than the Ravens first round pick so that's where you are gaining some value the Jets are going to be in the definitely in the top 10 I mean they're not maybe even <laughs> top five if they have another mediocre start or if uh, their quarterback sees ghosts again or if they just follow in the rebuilding path that they're already on whereas the Ravens pick could potentially be in the high 20s again so you gain something there in terms of their cap is so tight, they would probably cut a player or two to get some more space because they know they have this top 10 draft pick that they'd be able to sort of rebuild certain spots. But, you know, those are a lot of ifs. The the Jets have to be bad, (laughs) basically. You're assuming that the Ravens are going to have an amazing season. The Chuck Clark thing, Tim, is this a case, I'm, I'm asking you because you're, I would say the biggest Chuck Clark fan of the three of us. The case with him may be he was a late-round pick that is now a starter and had a really good year with the Ravens. Is that the ceiling for a guy like Clark? 
whereas a Jamal Adams guy is all is is a superstar and is three years into his NFL career, so like the sky's the limit for that guy. So is the trade off? You, you know, you lose a Stanley, for example, in this hypothetical trade, but you do actually improve that safety position because yes, Clark is solid, but Jamal Adams is like Ed Reed level game changer. A couple things on that. First of all. The Ravens believe in Chuck Clark. They just signed him to an extension. It's not like this guy's playing on his minuscule deal that he got as as a rookie when he was a late-round draft pick. They saw enough out of him to extend him. He is a three-year, $15 million extension now, or contract now. Earl Thomas is one year into the richest contract on the Baltimore Ravens roster. You're not going to be able to trade him with that contract, that age, and that injury history. And, and an interesting point here, again, coming from Jeff Zarebeck, so... I will not take full credit for this, but he makes a really interesting point. This young nucleus of players is about to get very, very expensive. Matt Judon is currently playing on the franchise tag. Ronnie Stanley, arguably the best left tackle in football. Another note on that, too. I don't care if it's a high draft pick. Even if Ronnie Stanley was a boring pick, he has turned into the best left tackle in football. That is a guarantee. I'm not risking it on a top five pick who could end up being... Oh, I don't know. Um, oh, the name escapes me, but the guy that the Raiders drafted a long time ago, number two overall, that was supposed to be this incredible right tackle, Robert Gallery. Oh, uh, Robert Gallery. Yes. <laughs> don't know why that name popped into my head, but you could end up drafting one of those guys instead of having Ronnie Stanley. Then you have Marlon Humphrey, a guy who, like Jamal Adams, has a year and an option left in his deal. Right after that, you have Mark Andrews and Orlando Brown, and don't forget Lamar Jackson, who they probably want to pay sooner rather than later in terms of not letting this run down and become a Dak Prescott situation. So I don't think that upgrading that safety position, even if you want to argue significantly from solid starter to high caliber, all pro safety is, is worth it at all for them. Plus when this deal was, when this deal in before the trade deadline during the season was, was being rumored and, and, you know, strong. The, the Ravens were definitely interested. This was not just a rumor. There was a lot of different factors at play. Not only the Chuck Clark thing, and he emerged and became really, really good, or really good if you, if you don't want to be the fanboy like me. <laughs> they had a lot of draft capital in the 2020 draft that they could use to bring in a Jamal Adams. They do not have nearly that much in the 2020 run draft. They gave up some stuff for Prochet to go up. Um it was the pick they got from the Steelers for the Chris Wormley deal. They also lost a seventh-round pick in that deal. They might get some compensatories for a guy like Michael Pierce, but none of that is ever guaranteed. They need to keep hitting on these drafts to build around a nucleus that is going to become very, very expensive. And and I don't think the Ravens are going to go rebuild with, oh, well, Humphrey's going to cost too much. We have to let him go. Like. There are a couple guys in this system that they are going to keep and are going to be expensive, and because of that, I don't think you you pull a Jalen Ramsey-type trade that the Rams did to kind of mortgage that future a little bit. I, I, just, I just don't see where it makes sense. And I think broad, like broad picture, and we've kind of mentioned this, I think rumors like this Jamal Adams trade, like the Ravens signing Jadavion Clowney, keep coming up because the Ravens are a good team. They're viewed, I think, as one of you know, the most well-run uh, organizations in the NFL. And I think uh, as long as they're competitive and have Lamar Jackson and a guy like him who guys want to play with, they're just going to get thrown into rumors like this, regardless of kind of how realistic or unrealistic uh, they may be from a practicality standpoint. So 
I think that is something to keep in mind because I'm sure Jamal Adams will not be the last of these superstar guys that get linked to the Ravens. Uh, I'm surprised we didn't have a further Jadavion Clowney update this week uh, of him going to the Ravens imminently. But uh, yeah, I just think it, with the, where the Ravens are as an organization right now, these kind of things will just keep coming up every few months. <laughs> Rumors. Nick Bosa loves the East Coast, loves crabs. Uh, thinking of joining the Ravens. No, yeah, I, I agree with you both, really. I think the short of it is the secondary is the Ravens' strength at this point. <laughs> don't give away, you know, assets <laughs> or players at positions where you don't have as much depth or strength. And, uh, Tim, you know, I you're right about the the, the future contracts is terrifying. All those names you mentioned, I, I, I'm already sad for three years from now when uh, – so many of these core players are going to have to be let go, but we're not there yet. The Ravens still are in this window, uh, and we'll see what uh, what ends up happening with Jamal Adams. Could also be as simple as his agent just spreading <laughs> stories in order to get him signed by the Jets. So we'll see what happens with that in, in the coming days and coming weeks. Uh, I want to turn now to sort of day-to-day Ravens operational stuff as we sort of grind through... Uh, this coronavirus pandemic get closer and closer to you know facilities opening up and, and players starting to practice and, and work out with each other. So um, some a little I guess good news. Uh, the Ravens reopening their facility phase one uh, restrictions. Can you guys talk about uh, what happened there with the Ravens facility? Yeah. It's not. A, it's just basically what's going in line with with Maryland kind of reopening after, you know during this coronavirus pandemic. Um, you know, just this reads right from BaltimoreRavens.com that people just might be interested in. Any little nuggets we can get from when is life going to be normal again? Um, Governor Larry Hogan notified the Ravens on Friday they could open the, the Performance Center training facility and M&T Bank Stadium. However, it will still be a slow return for everybody to come back. Um, the Ravens were already allowed some employees at the training facility like maintenance and cleaning staff and people like that. Um, but the it, the main individuals who are coming back are mainly equipment guys, the the football video group, and the personnel department. Anyone not on the list of seventy five will not be allowed in during the practice facility or the stadium during phase one. So, really, the, the the only news here is that you're not getting a ton of players back or anything like that. OTAs aren't starting, whatever it is. But it is a small step in the right direction. On that note, quickly because you did ask my opinion on it in terms of small steps in the right direction. And I'm going to turn it to soccer a little bit. Uh, if you're listening to this today, it releases on Wednesday. Yesterday, Der Klassiker between Borussia Dortmund and Bayern Munich. Borussia Dortmund, one of the loudest stadiums in the world. And what basically what Fox did, it was not in the stadium. What Fox did, what Sky did in Germany and in England, was they basically pumped in crowd noise and had it reactionary to if a goal went in, the level raised. If it was a foul, they'd get a lot of, oh, and, and stuff like that. I liked it, and I only bring this up because I think that it's something we could see in the NFL. Now, it is a little jarring. There's a lot of old-school Brits who are like, oh, it's ruining the game. But our game is already so commercialized over here that it doesn't really (laughs) matter. It is a little weird seeing nobody in the stands and then crowd noise. But I'll tell you what, if you just look at the field and you hear the crowd noise behind you, I think it's way better than not having anything there. It really takes the – and we don't have to debate this or anything, but – it takes away the scrimmage-type atmosphere of the game. So I really think that if, if the NFL starts with no fans, which we'll kind of have to wait and see, I don't 
think it's the worst option in the world to basically pumping crowd noise in M&T Bank Stadium. It was bizarre to hear that. I, I, I didn't actually know if it was coming through the stadium or through the, uh, the production of the game, basically. But I imagine in the NFL, I mean, with these sports in the U.S., you sort of have two options, right? You, like, you create, you produce that environment yourself, or you go for the on the field or on the court or on the ice uh, noise from the players and the teams. I don't really think you can do that in the NFL and sort of have a daytime CBS appropriate audio program. I would just imagine that would be a whole lot of, you know, that silence where you have to sort of mute out the inappropriate (laughs) language. I feel like that happens in the NFL at the end of every single tackle. So it's going to be a fascinating decision that that they do have to make. But I, I just cannot imagine relying on the field noise only. Yeah, the the only other thing I have to add for that is uh, I do think it'll be strange, but luckily I think when you think of an NFL presentation, because the field's so big, you kind of the camera is less on the crowd. I think in the NFL than it might be, you know, for certainly for an NBA game uh, in this country, Um, and so I think it will be something that we just kind of get used to. To your point, I do think they cannot use the field audio for the NFL, NBA, uh, (laughs) probably as well. Um, but one thing I like watching NASCAR, they've come back and, you know, they, they're a sport, I think, especially suited to like, it doesn't seem that different without fans. Cause those cars are so loud that you, the fans are a non-factor anyway. But I do think for a sport like football, it will be strange, but I think to your point, it would be nice to have the fake noise, even though if there's no fans there just to like trick your brain into it being more normal i guess uh, but yeah broader point uh uh it's good it's while it largely doesn't mean too much it is good to at least slowly be opening the facilities as opposed to them being closed at all and uh the ravens have we've seen some creative creativity from the players uh this past week in terms of exercising we saw a video released by marlon humphrey today of him just running up a gravel pile at some undisclosed quarry it appeared um so uh that's more of uh i believe it was today that could be more of that content that tricked antonio a week or two back but uh (laughs) but yeah um doesn't mean anything too much i guess until players can start getting into the facilities but it's still a step in the right direction last small bit of ravens related news more and more footage coming out lamar jackson Hollywood, Brown, throwing the pigskin around, getting on the same page. I'm very into it. Does this mean uh, Hollywood has 1,000 receiving yards next season? Does it mean absolutely nothing? Is it somewhere in between? Pro Bowl. Book it. All pro. Book it uh, for both guys. Uh, First of all, all these videos, I love that Hollywood's wearing his helmet to try and recreate as (laughs) much, like, as, as real as it can be, which I actually appreciate. I think it helps. Um, but he was training down in South Florida with Lamar Jackson. Uh, Miles Boykin has told reporters that he's going to go down there as well. He had been training in Baltimore with backup quarterback Trace McSorley. He's going to go down and train with Lamar. Uh, Mark Ingram has also mentioned it in a number of interviews that he's going to go down there. Hey, God bless Florida. They're open. Why not take advantage of it if you're the Baltimore Ravens and and get some reps in at a time where they might have been going through some OTAs. They might have been a, finally getting back on the same page together. And 
Look, we'll we'll talk about the the former Ravens quarterback later in the episode during our NFL news, but you never really saw this out of out of Joe Flacco, and I'm not trying to compare the two because I, I just I can't stand the you have to pick a side in this because it doesn't make any sense. But it's really cool to see Lamar have this relationship with his with his receivers, and obviously he's close friends with Hollywood. They grew up kind of in the same area, but committed to this even in these weird times of saying hey i want to get together i want to get better obviously this last season ended in a horrific way we have to improve on that and we have to start now that is really really cool to see yeah uh only he seems like a very driven player i mean the improvement he made from obviously year one kind of getting thrown into it to year two i'm literally unanimous mvp uh if you like to think if he just keeps building on that, it really is kind of the sky's the limit for him. So. Best player of all time. <laughs> He's 19-3 and three as a starter in the regular season. So, uh, you know. On pace for the best winning percentage for a quarterback in the history of the NFL? Uh, is can't that what get we're saying? Ourselves, but, uh, the record is promising. <laughs> um, I looked it up. He's already like third all time in Ravens touchdown passes or something, maybe fourth. Uh, <laughs> but uh, um, uh, yeah, I just you like to see your quarterback, the highest paid player on the team, or soon to be eventually highest paid player on the team, just uh, put in the work. So I'm excited, even in a weird kind of environment we're in. So yeah, great to see. All right, so that's all we have for Ravens news for now. Uh, we're going to get to the Random Raven and then turn to a little bit of NFL stuff. But so I am up this week for the Random Raven. I promised uh, the listeners and uh, Jason Tim, a Raven who only played a few seasons with this team and mostly had a career elsewhere. So here's we go. here we go with this player. Listen, the, the clues are... Uh, they're not going to say too, too much information, but that's specifically <laughs> because anything I say, and we'll, this will become clear at the end, any real fact I give about this guy is going to make it very, very obvious who he is. So as we go, if it's still a struggle, I'll add a little bit more context. But this random Raven played two seasons with the Ravens in 2004 and 2005. He previously played 12 seasons with four other teams. In those two seasons with the Ravens, he had 38 tackles and five interceptions, and for his career, had over 500 tackles and 53 interceptions. Yup, 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 yup. He wore the same number his entire career, except for his two seasons in Baltimore. He had retired for three seasons before joining the Ravens in 2004. He finished his career as an eight-time Pro Bowler, six-time All-Pro, two-time Super Bowl champ, and a Hall of Fame. And this last clue will be more for the listener because I think both of my co-hosts have gotten it by this point. But he's known for his success as a... This is sort of like the... If you guys do the crossword puzzle, there's that weirdly phrased clue with a question mark. Known for his success as a nighttime player? And that's my last <laughs> clue there. <laughs> Second part of this trivia question is if you can understand what my last clue even means. That is my random raven, and we will answer him, answer that at the end that is of the, the show. definition of a random one, I would say. <laughs> I So I had his jersey, but it was like one of those oh. fake ones you buy from Kohl's that I got for sure. as a birthday present. And then it was put into, whether it was my mother or my father, who knows, 
I wasn't doing the laundry at that age. Uh, they put it in the washer or dryer, and the numbers came clean off. So that was unfortunate. And um, I am very – we'll talk about it later. I'm very shocked that it was only three years he was retired before he hopped back with the Ravens. In my, like, recreating the history of that in my head, I feel like he was retired for, like, seven years, even though that's not, <laughs> like, a thing. That he was retired forever and then all of a sudden just popped back up with the Ravens. But that's a, that's a very good one. That's very good so I'll answer that at the end of the episode. We're going to move on now to NFL news, which I can't believe it, but the, really the biggest NFL note of the week, transactionally, is the new... Speaking of the Jets, I mean, this is the entire episode is themed. The New York football Jets signed Ravens legend, former quarterback, Super Bowl MVP, Joe Flacco. To a one-year deal to serve as backup quarterback. Guys, in memoriam, thoughts on uh, on Joe Flacco <laughs> continuing his career in the NFL? Surprised uh, that he's continuing his career I, in the NFL? Uh, I get it from the Jets' perspective. They were an abomination when Sam Darnold went down last year. Uh, there was that one game, I believe it was Luke Falk perhaps started, and uh, they gave up something like 11 sacks to the Eagles. It was just, they were horrendously bad when Darnold was out with Mono. Uh, on Flacco's end, I do not know why he's still playing football. He has just had neck surgery, they said, in April, is what I saw Ian Rappaport say. Uh, and, um, yeah, his season was shut down last year by a back injury. And then he had neck surgery. I would retire. Knowing as much money as Flacco has made in his career, it has to be close to $150 million, I would guess, between his first contract under the old CBA when rookies got a little more, and then signing that monster deal with the Ravens. I would retire if I was him. He's got like five kids and nothing left to prove. You're literally a Super Bowl MVP, uh, a great record, a really, really, really good career. He's not a Hall of Famer. Is he elite? That debate will go on forever. But... He had an amazing career, uh, a career many people, you know, not a lot of people have a career like that, but I would retire if I had the degree of injuries that he had and I'm only getting $1.5 million to back up, but that's why I'm not a pro athlete. I'm not driven to succeed that way, so, you know, these guys always want to achieve uh, and fight for everything, so I get why he's coming back, it's just not something I would do, but congrats to him, keeps getting work. <laughs> There's definitely an element of that to this. Um, also, he has five kids. He's still he's thinking about having to pay for all five of those kids to go to college. You know, if you can keep getting them checks, keep getting them checks. Um, I think this is. I think it's good for him. I mean, he might be one of those guys that kind of realizes, and it, you hear former players talk about this. It's like, why didn't you retire earlier? It's like because I. I wanted to keep playing the game. I I don't want it to be over. You know what I mean? And and. I think him accepting a backup role is perfect. That's kind of where he's at now, um, you know, after a little bit of a decline. Again, I mentioned it earlier. We are talking about Lamar. Any Ravens fan who has anything bad to say against Flacco, I think, is is asinine. And it's ridiculous. And you need to take your head out of your butt if you think that he wasn't a positive force for this franchise um, for years and years and years. And it might have ended a little stale. Um, the team clearly needed a change. They made that change. That's how this this league works. But for the people who – I can't stand either side of this Joe Flacco argument <laughs> where it's either the people who are 
oh, he was so bad for the Ravens and we're so much better off now. Lamar's got to win a playoff game. Or the people who are like, I'm now a Broncos fan or I'm now a Jets fan and <laughs> and literally buy Broncos and Jets jerseys for Joe Flacco. I, it blows my mind the amount of trolling on each side. But maybe that's just the freaking society <laughs> we live in nowadays. It's an absolute joke. But on the complete other side of this, one, it's closer to his like New Jersey area where his family is from. He doesn't have to uproot his family to move to Denver, which I think is probably nice for him. Uh, later in his career. And two, I don't know if it was because they signed him or it was uh, just a kind of a random, you know, the, and all these leagues are trying to just tweet out, hey, remember when this happened videos? But this NFL video made the rounds and it was literally like a seven to 10 minute recap of his 2012 playoff run. And who boy, that's good. That is well, that was some content I ate up. <laughs> that is some, um, just put it right there in the veins type of content, man, that I watched over and over and over again. And legitimately was recounting memories of where I was, whether it was with, I was going to say with you guys, but Antonio wasn't in the country at this time. Um, <laughs> celebrating these wins and celebrating with friends and, 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 you know, calling my dad after the Super Bowl in tears that they had finally done it because he went on this remarkable run. So it was very cool to see. Just go back on NFL on Twitter and, and pull that up because it's it's one of those things that as a Ravens fan, you can rewatch over and over and over again. And um, I will just say this, a little spoiler for maybe later in the episode. Boy, howdy, Anquan Bolden was so good. And I have no <laughs> idea why they just thought he was basically invaluable at the end of his career there because – some of these throws, and Joe Flacco, and apologies for ranting, Joe Flacco was incredible in this run, but some of these throws do not get caught if it's not thrown <laughs> to Anquan Bolton. And it, he was just so good for the Baltimore Ravens. Yeah, uh, to just echo what you said, he also may come up in <laughs> an activity we're doing momentarily because I do watch that video. Damn, so strong. He was so good. <laughs> but yeah, Joe Flacco, congrats on the Jets. And hopefully... I best case scenario, you know, for the Jets, I guess he doesn't play at all. But um, uh, if he gets a chance, you know, you can have a far, far, far less experienced quarterback as your backup than Joe Flacco. So it's not the worst thing in the world. And Jace, that's sort of the the last thing I have to add is that I think he knows he's now in the backup tier of NFL quarterbacks. And if you can hang around not get hit over and over and over again, hold a clipboard, mentor a young quarterback, and get paid a million million dollars, stay in the NFL <laughs> loop. I think you do it. I don't I, – I mean, listen, I don't know him personally. I don't know what Joe Flacco does professionally post-football. <laughs> I, I'm very curious as to what he ends up doing, if anything. If he's the, like, you know, drink my ties at the beach for the rest of his life or – if he tries to get into some sort of football aspect, I don't see him really in, in the analyst type role. Um, does he try to do some some coaching? I don't know if I see him doing that either. Maybe he goes and like coaches a high school team or something like that from where he's from. So that is yet to be seen. But I sort of I view him just having like the interactions you see with him, you know, that we've seen and in games, post game, all that stuff. He just seems like a guy that would rather just be hanging around the NFL. It's not like he has this big like marketing plan or companies that he wants to build and expand his media empire or anything like that. Yeah. So I think he hangs around, tries to back up as long as he can, and maybe gets to play, you know play a few games if Donald gets hurt and then sort of finishes his career like on his terms. I, I don't think he 
certainly didn't enjoy how that Denver season played out. So I don't think he wanted to retire with that either as a last sort of a last ride. So maybe we see him play a few games uh, in a Jets uniform or hang around as, as long as he can and, and mentor Sam Darnold. Teach Darnold how to, uh, how to throw that deep out, <laughs> basically. <laughs> or that uh, deep ball that gets called for a defensive pass interference. It's, it's all about underthrowing your fast receiver right. uh, on the Hail Mary. <laughs> we love you, Joe. We love you, man. We love you. Um, all right, so I think we have a little bit of time. We're going to do one quick other NFL uh, note here um, before we move on to a little uh, pick-your-favorite uh, subcategory Raven. But before that... In the NFL, ESPN Today, they put out their football power index, and they sort of ranked, you know, a couple of varying statistics of what they expect for the upcoming NFL season. Um, I'm trying to pull up the exact statistics. They ran uh, 20,000 season simulations, and the final results for the Super Bowl were that the five teams with the highest percentage chance to win the Super Bowl next year in order are Chiefs at 21%, Los Ravens uh, at 17%, the Saints at 13%, the 49ers at 12%, and then the Cowboys sneaking in at 5%. Just, guys, quick take. This top five list and the Ravens, how they've fit into it. Fair? Do you like it? Do you hate it? Jace, is this what's bothering you this week? Are simulations what's bothering you this week? No. In fact, I love it. Uh, because I never want the Ravens to be considered the Super Bowl favorite ever. <laughs> I, I get nervous whenever they are the de facto team and when everyone thinks there's a shoe in to win. Maybe that's just old Ravens nervous uh, anxiety thoughts. But uh, yeah, uh, I'm fine with the Ravens being the number two team. I get like as successful as they're... Uh, and we've talked about our last week, you know, or two weeks ago, whenever it was, our thoughts about... The natural uh, regression the team will probably have, but how that'll still be twelve and four, I think it's fair to have them obviously in the top five. It's hard to go fourteen and two and be top five in every major category that matters and not be considered a Super Bowl favorite the next year. So for me, I'm I'm glad they're not the number one. Uh, the Chiefs probably do deserve it until the Ravens can beat them. It's the we uh, I don't know if it was on Mike, but Lamar nineteen and three. Uh, and uh, two of those losses in the regular season are to the Chiefs. So until they can beat the Chiefs, uh, I am fine with the Chiefs being ranked above the Ravens. Yeah, I'm with you. I I didn't even think about this point until you brought it up. I actually love that they're not number one, and and <laughs> the fact, and I, I will eat these words for the next ten years as it's Lamar v, v Mahomes. But I'm kind of glad Mahomes is there because it's like everybody can look at him. And we can still have that surly underdog thing about us because, man, we're not really good when we're the king of the hill. Uh, hello, Tennessee <laughs> Titans. It seems to happen all the freaking time. So I don't mind this. Um, it, it actually just brought this up. And Antonio, I know you're not one to use the Instagrams, but there is an account called The Checkdown, which basically just does a bunch of different highlights they repost. They would probably be the one that fooled you with the Mark Ingram thing uh, a couple <laughs> weeks ago. They're that, that kind of account. But All they, I want to say is, I realized it before I said it on the air, <laughs> and I just want to like defend that I brought up that I realized I had been fooled two minutes before I shared the information. But, but yeah, yeah, probably. I think it may have been like one of the Sports Center accounts. They get me every time. But uh, yeah, please continue, Tim. We're not going to let you live it down. Um, they have been running a Madden sim, basically updated the rosters and ran a Madden sim of the season, and kind of been like using it for social content, which is somebody 
who works in the content game and is desperate for content all the time, I think is is great. Um, the Ravens, after week 15, are currently sitting at 12-2, and two, uh, much like the Kansas City Chiefs, who are at 12-2. and two. Quick look, the New Orleans Saints are 8-6. and six. I think Drew Brees might have got hurt. Um, the Tampa Bay is 11-3, and three, which is never going to happen, mark my words. Um, Willie Sneed is in top five in receiving touchdowns, so, hey, we're not talking about him. Maybe he has a breakout year, but I, I think these little things and, and like running these simulations all in all are, are kind of fun and really the main point, yeah. I'm glad the Ravens aren't number one, and I think I'm on the Saints. I don't know why. I'm just on the Saints. I think the Saints might even be number two above Baltimore, uh, trying to look at it subjectively slash like being the underdog. Willie Sneed cuts the hair, reduces drag, <laughs> reduces drag. Leads the uh, NFL in receiving touchdowns. So that's what we'll expect for Willie Sneed. Tim, I agree with you. The only thing here is I thought the Ravens would have been like third or fourth with some NFC team above them. But I suppose when you have the number one offense last year in the league, that's going to pull. So, uh, you know, we'll, we'll pretend that there are no holes on this pass rush or on the offensive line and that they're the <laughs> second favorite team to go to the Super Bowl next season. But. We'll see. Just feel like I wanted to make sure I brought that up uh, before we moved on. So we only have one more thing to talk about this week that we wanted to go over. Uh, Tim, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think this was the Ravens UK Twitter who brought this idea up just as a a talking point. So we're we're taking it. So thank you to the UK Twitter. Thank you to the UK listeners, first of all, and to UK Twitter for giving us this idea. And it's basically uh, pick your favorite in their prime Raven to put on the 2020 Baltimore Ravens. Who who of the past Ravens would you want to have on this team to take them over the hump and win the Super Bowl? And the so a few caveats. You cannot pick Ray Lewis. You can't pick Terrell Suggs, Ed Reed, or Jonathan Ogden. The Hall of Famers or maybe going to be Hall of Famers for Suggs. We'll have to see with that. But and also the player that you pick, if they had a bunch of success with another team and you want them on the Ravens, you get the player that they were with the Ravens. The perfect example, which was alluded to in that tweet, which uh, may or may not have blown my random Raven, which I had before that tweet came out, but you know, but getting, getting ahead of myself. You get that player how they played for you, not how they played in their prime on another team. So we will uh, sort of go around the horn here and pick which Raven. It's sort of a half between which Raven did you love and which Raven does this Ravens team need now. So unfortunately, I think you guys may have, at least one of you may have the same player I have, but that's all right. So we'll go, uh, I guess we'll go Jace first and then Tim well, and then I'll, uh, I'll go third. So we had mentioned a little bit rewatching. I had a different player in mind and I'll, I'll go with him, but just watching that, Flacco highlight montage and just seeing how many monster grabs Anquan so strong Bolden pulled down. He would be uh, kind of, I think, a perfect slot possession receiver, you know, big guy, move the chains, the kind of guy, frankly, they seem to sort of be lacking. Uh, However, he only did play three seasons, so I'm going with a different guy. And this may be because I've been scarred by Derrick Henry in the playoffs, but I'm going with Jarrett Johnson to a edge, uh, setting the edge on the defensive line uh, for uh, the team. We've talked about, you know, pass rushers. Um, 
how they brought him in. I read, was reading again about the Ravens just having Calais Campbell and got very excited. Uh, I believe it, Tim, was actually in that Madden simulation. Campbell had some big play, and I was like, oh, buddy, can't wait for this season. But um, I, just a guy like Jared Johnson can do it all, set the edge, can bring some rush from the outside, veteran leadership, played a long time. I, I just love everything about him, and if we're excluding the Hall of Fame defenders, I think he could just bring something uh, to the offensive line that may, or to the defensive line, excuse me, that maybe they don't have. I know Haloti Yonata was better, but, you know, Brandon Williams, good enough approximation based on the current team. So that is why I'm going with Jarrett Johnson. So the Ravens have a few needs. Um, we can always use more weapons for Lamar Jackson. That's why Anquan's so strong, Bolden, Steve Smith, even Steve Smith with the Ravens, man. I, I think Anquan's probably stronger, but even up. Steve Smith. Um, <laughs> Interior offensive line, uh, a Ben Grubbs at his peak, you know, uh, a Mike Flynn, if you want to take it back to the 2000, the center, uh, maybe Marshall Yonda. Like, I was going to say, can you just bring him back? back? (laughs) Because he was still dominant. But I'm going to go because I am, like our friend Wink Martindale, I want to get after the quarterback. I want to put him on his butt as many times as possible. And we can't use Terrell Suggs because I think he's a Hall of Famer. So why not use the guy who was second on that all-time sack list for the Baltimore Ravens? And that's one Peter Bulware, who, if you're a younger Ravens fan and maybe you don't remember, let me just run some numbers from you. From 1997 to 2003, which are his most productive... He was with the team from 97 to 2005. He only played... He only had two and a half sacks in 2005. He was getting up there in age. Uh, He retired after that year, and he missed all of the 2004 season with a knee injury. But let me read the sack numbers from 97 to 2003. 11 and a half, 8 and a half, 10, 7, 15, 7, 8 and a half. That guy is going to become problem number one for an offensive line with Matt Judon not taking nearly as much responsibility than maybe his sack numbers rise to. Then you got the the three meatheads up front and Brandon Williams, Calais Campbell, and Derek Wolf. I mean, I want to get after the pass rusher. I think offensive line might be the better choice, but when you have a in terms of need for this team, but when you have a guy who was that dominant across that many seasons, I mean his entire prime was basically most of his career with the Ravens outside of two seasons. So for me, I'm going Peter Bulware. The man out of Florida State, give him to me, and he's just not set the edge. He's getting after that quarterback. <laughs> I love that pick so much. I love it. And it's probably the best fit in terms of need on this current roster of anybody we're going to say. I mean, Haloti Nada, Jace, as you mentioned, would be, is like the quote-unquote easy choice, but that's not really a gigantic need on this particular roster, so I don't think he gets the nod. I mean, again, this is not really a need, but I just want prime Jamal Lewis back in my life just <laughs> rumbling over people. You just add him to that backfield, and it's a disaster for any team. Like, Lamar would not have to throw the ball at all because you could literally <laughs> just cycle these guys in for 10, 15 carries a game. Would love to see 2,000-yard Jamal Lewis uh, back on the Ravens. Um, but I think with this current team for me jace i appreciate you not taking this particular guy i think it's got to be anquan so strong uh i just have these i first of all lamar jackson what is his favorite throw 
like the seam throw to Andrews, right? Down the seam. What did Anquan Bolden just own in that postseason run with Joe Flacco? It was that little 15-yard, not even 12-yard down the seam just behind the linebacker for like four touchdowns in, in three postseason games. So give me Anquan doing that in his prime. I guess the only argument, the big argument I should say against Anquan Bolden is that his prime really was a few years before uh, like the 06, 07, 08 run with, or I should say 05, 2005 and 06 with Arizona. He had 1,400 and 1,200 receiving yards, respectively. So we didn't quite get that production, but Joe Flacco was never going to do that. So <laughs> give me that player on this team in a situation where we need sure hands in a playoff game. And I don't want to rub too much salt here, but when you need a catch in the third and fourth quarter of a playoff game, throw it to Anquan, not Seth Roberts. And that's all I'm going to say. So for me, it's Anquan Bolden and... Uh, I think any three of these guys on that team last year, and uh, oh boy, for that for that team, maybe have gotten over the hump, but just a fun exercise. Uh, for you guys listening, feel free to submit to us uh, who you want as an in-their-prime Raven. You are not allowed to do Ray Lewis, Terrell Suggs, Ed Reed, or Jonathan Ogden. Uh, please send it to us either on Twitter or Instagram. All of, all of it's uh, at podlikearaven. Email it to us, at podlikearaven. Uh, at gmail.com and we'll uh, we'll mention you guys next week and, and highlight uh, the players that you guys came up with I, we we challenge you to come up with a, a better matchup or a better slot than than one of the three players that we brought up here so um, that's going to do it for us just about just have the uh, random raven to answer here so I'm going to run through those clues one more time this random raven played two seasons with the team in 2004 and 2005 he previously played 12 whole seasons with four other teams. With the Ravens, he had 38 tackles and five interceptions, but over the course of his career, he had over 500 tackles and 53 interceptions. He wore the same number his entire career, except when he came out of his three-year retirement to play two seasons in Baltimore. He finished his career as an eight-time Pro Bowler, six-time All-Pro, two-time Super Bowl champ and Hall of Famer. Could not surprise could not quite replicate the same success with the Ravens when he came out of retirement in his late 30s and he's known for his success as a nighttime player so I'll toss to whoever wants to uh whoever wants to take a stab at this random when you look good you feel good when you feel good you play good when you play good they pay good and when you pay good they you live good and that is prime time Deion Sanders only wore number 37 because that was his age at the time when he came to the Baltimore Ravens and uh, made a few plays, but yeah, was not 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 the the man who specialized at night like the Batman as 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 we saw earlier in his career. Yeah, I forget. Did Chris McAllister just not want to give up 21? I forget what the story was behind that because that is what the number he wore with. Uh, the four teams threw me off. I forgot he was one season with the Redskins. Uh, is the season I couldn't come up with for a second for Dion. But yeah, like you said, I mean, to have been retired three full years and then come back, you really don't see that much in the NFL. So uh, it was pretty impressive. I, I mean, you know, like you said, he wasn't like what he was, but he was still pretty good. I think he had something like five or six picks when he came back between the two seasons, something like that. So, uh, and I think there's at least one pick six in there. So he... um. Yeah, he had a, you know, obviously he's a Hall of Fame career and uh, 
definitely one of the more random Ravens uh, of terms of Hall of Famers who played for the Ravens. He's probably the guy I think of last. <laughs> um, uh, certainly even behind like a guy like Rod Woodson uh, and Shen Sharp, certainly. But uh, yeah, I mean, Deion Sanders is one of the greatest players of all time. And it's still strange that he played two seasons for the Ravens after being retired for three years. <laughs> Six punt return touchdowns in his career three kickoff return touchdowns i'd have to look up the rushing and receiving numbers the guy literally did played like seven or eight different positions over the course of his career and also played baseball <laughs> and and that other position right uh and was was okay on the ravens uh played in nine games in 2004 and then this i was sort of shocked by as a 38 year old in 2005 played in all 16 games did the complete season starting four of those games Random, three years retired, came out of retirement to play defensive back in the NFL. I don't know how many guys uh, will be able to do that in the future, so we'll have to. Maybe Jamal Adams will will do that and come to join the Ravens at some point. Uh, all right, so that's going to do it, guys. Any other uh, thoughts on this week? Uh, NFL, Ravens, quarantine, getting outside. Nah, right. just uh, another week. <laughs> another Gotta week. Keep on we'll keeping on. We will be back next week to bring you more. Ravens, hopefully some some bigger nuggets and bigger highlights and some more NFL news as well. For Jay Sevens and Tim Horsey, I'm Antonio Barbera. Thank you for listening to Pod Like a Raven. We'll see you next week. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.